Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 108. Welcome to RestaurantUnstoppable.com. Listen to successful restaurant professionals as they discuss the tools, tactics, and services they use to better lead, manage, and market their restaurants. Join our community and make your restaurant dreams unstoppable. Here's your host, Eric Cacciatore. Yo, what is going on, all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? It is your host, Eric Cacciatore, and this is the podcast for personal growth in the restaurant industry, and we do it by listening to the stories and advice of some of the most successful indie restaurant professionals out there. I have a great show for you today, and I cannot wait to hit play, but I have to remind you to please connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Google+, Twitter, I am out there. I am dying to hear what your thoughts are on the show and how I can make it better, who I can talk to, what products and services you want to learn more about. Just connect with me and I will do everything humanly possible to uh, get that content on the show for you. And don't forget that those five-star reviews, thank you so much for everyone leaving those five-star reviews. They help so, so much with validating uh, this show and uh, I am so incredibly grateful for those and uh, i will not keep you any longer i'm gonna hit play and you're gonna get blown away here it is with excitement allow me to introduce to you today's guest tom boucher tom how are you today doing terrific really great awesome tom are you other other than all the snow we've been receiving oh my god it's ridiculous (laughs) have we gotten like 80 inches now (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think we're, we're coming around there for sure. Well, yeah, and we're getting we're getting another one uh, Thursday, another one Sunday. But there's light. We take, it, we take it in stride. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, just hang in there. <laughs> All right, so Tom, are you yeah. ready to drop some bombs of knowledge on us that are going to make our restaurant dreams unstoppable? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right, let's do it. So I'll just give a quick introduction, and then we'll pass it over to you. Uh, Tom started his hospitality career in 1986 as a server at T-Bones. At the time, he was a graduate student trying to make a little extra cash during his winter break. Uh, This could be called the longest holiday break ever, as Tom gave up his scholarship and never went back. Uh, 29 years later, still on that winter break, he is the owner and CEO of Great New Hampshire Restaurants, which consists of five T-Bone Great American Eatery locations, two Cactus Jack locations, and the Copper Door. Uh, His restaurants have won numerous accolades, such as Business New Hampshire's 2013 Hospitality Business of the Year Award, and uh, most recently, the National Restaurant Association uh, awarded Tom with the 2013 America's Restaurant Advocates Advocacy Leadership Award for Independent Restaurants. Uh, Tom, this is just an aerial view, just a little taste of who you are and what you've accomplished. Why don't you give us the full serving of your story and starting with how you got into the industry? Yeah, well, you, you covered a lot of it, but I, at the time when I was doing my undergraduate study, I was, I was actually a chemistry major, which is pretty funny if you think about where I am today. <laughs> and so I, so I got my degree in chemistry, and as you indicated, I had a scholarship to go to Villanova, and I, I was 
at the time, I, I think I was, you know, working in the pub and pouring beer, and, and I just I enjoyed the fun aspect of it, the, the liveliness, the the constant movement, the interaction with guests and employees. I just I just liked it. I felt like I got, I got bitten by the bug. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And at, at that point, I decided I'm 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 just not cut out to be a guy wearing a lab coat, mixing chemicals in some lab. So mm-hmm. I went back home and. Uh, started waiting tables at T-Bones, and from there I uh, was, was approached by the, the founding owners, there were three founding owners, to step into an assistant manager role, and they asked me to go into the kitchen. I hadn't worked one single day in a restaurant kitchen, and I said, what the heck, I'll give it a give it a shot, and I put into extensive training, and over time worked my way up to a full-time manager, became general manager of, of our third location, and then in 1995, uh, I approached the, the three founding owners at T-Bones and said, let's open another concept. We had a location we were looking at, and so that's when we opened Cactus Jacks, and I became an owner within that group. In 2000, I took over as uh, director of marketing and, and, a, and regional manager and became an owner within the T-Bones group. 2004, became CEO. We opened another T-Bones. Uh, and then in 2007, we opened our first it was a dual concept. We had T-Bones and Cactus Jacks under one roof up in the lakes region in, in uh, northern New Hampshire, Lake mm-hmm. Winnipesaukee. And uh, in that year, one of the three founding partners, Mark, and I bought out the other two founding partners. So uh, so that was some, uh, well, be eight years now. Eight years we bought them out, and since then we've opened the Copper Door restaurant. And most recently we just uh, bought, uh, an old neighborhood closed uh, grocery store, kind of like one of those little places you'd, you'd walk into in a, in a local inner city type area. So we we bought that. It's been closed for years, and we're gonna, we turned that into a commissary. So now we're doing all of our meat cutting and baking of desserts out of there, mm-hmm. and we're, we're going to start a catering division and and hopefully um, do some home meal replacement uh, out of there as well because that's. That's certainly a trend that's happening. Um, places where you can go into the grocery store and get a prepared meal, and so we're, we're going to dabble in that too. Awesome. I mean, I love and that's your, right. Yeah, I mean, I love your story, and I mean, what you did is so common with such so many of the the pieces of advice I get from guests that, that tell us to go work for the best, find out who the best is in your area, and go work for them. And uh, you know, they'll they'll bring you up, they'll teach you what you need to know, and if you've got what it takes, they will invest in you. And that's that sounds like that's what you did with Mark, and you you, you worked for him. Uh, he liked. You know him and his partners liked what you were doing. They see that you had what it took, and they just you know invested in you and you know help you grow as a professional. And here you are today as the CEO, doing so many incredible things. And uh, I love how you said you know you come from a chemistry background. But one of my favorite sayings is uh, this industry: you don't pick it; it picks you. And uh, it's fun to see the, the different walks of life everybody comes from who are now hospitality professionals. But great story. Yeah. I- that that's a that's a great way to put it, and and you know we uh, one of the one of the things that we really pride ourselves on in our company is is our employees. Our employees are incredible, and we have, I just wrote a, a nice note to one of our employees who's been with us as, as long as I have twenty nine years. Uh, he's our director of purchasing, and, and he's a part owner in the company. And uh, you know a lot of people say, how do you find such good people? And my answer to them is always, we don't find them; they find us. Mm. And, and part of it is because we, we focus very hard on being 
a good employer and good to our employees. We we actually operate on a philosophy and and a, and a way of being in our culture is that every decision we make has to satisfy three groups. It has to be good for the employee, good for the customer, and good for the business. Yeah, we call it our three-legged stool approach, and it's nothing, you know, it's nothing new. Uh, we, we, we borrowed it from Disney, but it's, it's a great, great philosophy, a great approach, and it's, it's really uh, part of our culture, and, and our managers know very well that the, the customer is not always right, but we mm-hmm. make them feel right. Yeah. There is, there is a sense at times where we will be in favor of the employee because of who they are and what they've done, and, and there are times where it just doesn't make sense, then put them in a bad position just because a customer's having a bad day, let's say. Yeah, I hear you, man. Um, and I, I think we're going to dive into this type of stuff with the interview as it evolves or as we go on. And I, I want to save some of the good stuff for later. So um, let me ask you before we get started, what is a success quote or mantra that you live by? I mean, this is a, a motivational, inspirational podcast, and I want to get that mod- that motivational ball going. So lay it on us. Yeah. Well, I think I think I just touched on it a little bit, but um, and again, I didn't I didn't invent this quote. I, I read it somewhere, but it's it's something that I've held near and dear to my heart from from the day that I took over as CEO. That we 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 operate in a way that says customers are not going to love your company until your employees love it first, and and so that I think that that's a, a real secret to our success is that. Our employees love our co- our company. They love working for us. And and part of my job, and I teach this to all my managers, is we have to make our employees love to come to work. Because mm-hmm. if they love to come to work, they're going to be good to our customers. Absolutely. And, and it's a formula that's worked for us. Yeah, it reminds me. It, it's kind of taps on that philosophy that Danny Myers has, that enlightened hospitality. And if you notice it. His philosophy it starts with the employee. He's hospitable to his employee first. That's the you know the the very most important aspect is your employee because if you can't keep them happy, then you you have nothing. Um, and I mean we're learning well, so much. And, and, and I and I'll tell you you know just just because we've been in business for we just celebrated thirty years last November and and of course you know every restaurant has turnover. It's it's inherent in this business mm-hmm. that. Either it's a stepping stone for someone, or or they're going to school, or they're a single mom, or, or something that it may be just transitional. But mm-hmm. we we've worked very hard to make different uh, career paths for people. And quite honestly, one of the reasons I am where I am is because I asked for different things. Mm-hmm. I asked to be promoted. I asked for more. I wanted to do more. Mm-hmm. And that has been, again, part of our culture that we've. We've promoted every single one of our corporate positions, with the exception of one, has been someone that started at a frontline employee level. They're either a cook, a server, uh, or a bartender, and and they've all worked their way up. And now, you know, some of them are human resource administrator. One of them's a director of marketing. One's our chief administrative officer. You know, these are all mm-hmm. people that started years ago and worked their way up because they asked for it and and they wanted more yeah absolutely we've we've really created that as part of who we are as a company we want to promote from within and and we've heard when people do come to us you know say they're going to be a server from another restaurant i hear it time and time again they they just say i can't believe how much better run this organization is not in a way that our, maybe our food's better or our service is better, but they love the structure. They mm-hmm. love the systems we have. Uh, and that, 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 I think, really is the defining detail that separates us from 
maybe some of our competitors that we have great systems and yeah. controls and standards and and expectations that that employees want that. Yeah, I feel like you're kind of going into the next question right now, and you're kind of um, you know you're answering it already. Like, is, would you say this is your if factor? I mean, I've learned so much in the show, almost a hundred over a hundred episodes. That it's not about you know. There's no such thing as a successful restaurant. There's only successful great people in restaurants. And uh, would you say that it's this it factor that contributes to your success? Yeah, the the it factor for us is we we just really take care of our good people and and we make sure that we've got the systems uh, systems and controls and standards and operating procedures that we follow we're not perfect of course we're not that's why we have managers <laughs> you know otherwise yeah. we, we if we did it perfectly we wouldn't need managers to follow up with it but the employees really like that type of structure um, a lot of times, independents won't have that structure, and it, and it can be frustrating for employees. So, yeah, I think that that's our, our it factor is great people with great systems and, and structure. Awesome, Tom. Can you share with us a time where you surrounded yourself with a great person or maybe a time where you implemented these systems and structures or procedures? So we hired a, a girl at the time. She was a young lady out of. Southern New Hampshire University, she had her culinary degree. Mm-hmm. She wanted to be a manager, and staying true to what, what I just previously spoke of, we, we don't hire managers from, from outside the company, with the exception of that one time. Mm-hmm. And so we, we took her on as a server, and with the expectation that she would, if she performed well, she would become assistant manager and eventually manager. Okay. It was the right call. It was, she was. It, we knew the moment that we interviewed her, she she was the right person. She just had a lot of energy, a lot of intelligence, really good communication skills, and we knew she was going to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I'm talking about, like hiring the right person. Mm-hmm. She she had zero skills in being a manager, but she she had all the skills of being a great person that would fit into our culture. So she, uh, sure enough, she worked her way up into management. Within three years, she did what I did back in my day. She approached me and she said, Tom, I want to do more. Uh, and, and at that point, we created a corporate chef position because she has a very good uh, eye for uh, being a chef. And she now is our corporate chef. Her name is Chef Nicole. Awesome. She has her own website, chef, chefnicole.com. Uh, she also handles all of our marketing. She's been with us almost 10 years. She's a young lady. She's 31 full of energy. She, she's actually become somewhat of a, a local Southern New Hampshire celebrity. People know her. She's on, she's on radio a lot. She does a lot of events. She does a lot of judging. And, you know, that, that was just, that was, she was a complete diamond in the rough that we, because we followed what we, what we always do, which is bring them in, start them at an entry level position and grow them. And hopefully the ones that really want to grow, ask for it. And mm-hmm. then, they, they move up, and that's exactly what happened with Chef Nicole. Awesome. Great story, Tom. Uh, we, we really got the big picture of how important it is to surround yourself with incredible people on your team. But now I need you to share with us a time you failed, a time where you just fell hard on your butt, and what you learned from this failure. Yeah, okay. So a perfect example is, when we opened the Carpador restaurant, we hired two people from outside of our company, a general manager and an executive chef. Neither one of them came from uh, within our company. And it was, it was something that 
I, I've now learned it was it was one of those aha moments for me that they never fully grasped our culture mm-hmm. and how we operate um, and and the way that we do things. You know, there's there's a reason they call us independent, yeah, <laughs> independent <laughs> entrepreneurs because we we do things the way that we do them and 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 they and they work and and the two of them they seem to not aggressively push back but they just didn't embrace it and mm-hmm. and we struggled the first the first 6 months we were open we struggled severely to get this place I'm, I'm sitting in the copper door right now to get <laughs> to get this place operating on all eight cylinders it it was it was difficult mm-hmm. so you know the the lesson for me was we, we will never open another restaurant without having the two leaders be promoted from within one of our other restaurants or moving two of our existing leaders to the new restaurant because it's really difficult to open a new restaurant, especially a new concept. Uh, there's always bumps in the road, and, and I think you can get rid of one of those bumps by putting experienced uh, people that understand your culture and your and your systems and, 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 and things of that nature. Mm, such incredible advice, Tom. Thank you for sharing both of those stories. And it is time for the knowledge bombs, Tom. This is the part of the interview where you just drop some big ol' restaurant bombs of knowledge on us. Are you ready? I'll give it my best shot. All right, let's do this, Tom. Uh, the first question I have for you is, what advice do you have for funding a restaurant? Funding? Yes. Start with a lot of money. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that that is great advice. I mean, can you give us some specifics on what you should go into? What, yeah. Like... Speci- yeah, specifically, don't underestimate how much it costs to start up your restaurant. In mm-hmm. particular... Make sure you have enough startup capital once you open the doors. Mm-hmm. I've seen many restaurants underfund. They they get the place built, they get it open, but they don't realize they got to make payroll the very next week. They got to buy more goods for the next week, and and they run short. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the way that we've funded our business has been a fair amount of upfront capital, and then we borrowed money from a local bank. And, mm-hmm. and the upfront capital came from really close family members of mm-hmm. ours. And, and, and as we've grown, we brought in key long-term general managers who have also invested and own a small piece of their particular restaurant that they run. So it's been, it's been a, a closely held company that my partner Mark and I fund most of it and own most of it, but then we bring in uh, smaller individual investors that are true outside investor family, mm-hmm. uh, and then we've got operating owners that invest as well. And you certainly want to make sure you have really good uh, operating agreements, mm-hmm. and you certainly want to make sure that you control the company, whether it's you and your partner, someone you trust, or it's just you yourself. You cannot relinquish control because that's when things can get really sticky down the road. And, and, and one of the other strong advice I would give is that, as, as I just indicated, the, the operating agreements, you know, whether you're doing an S-Corp or an LLC, make sure they're really buttoned up because you never know what's going to happen. You always want to plan for the what-ifs. Mm-hmm. Even though you, you might have a great relationship with your partner or your family or, or, or whatever it is, you have to plan for, oh, no, 
this just happened, what are we going to do? You don't even have to decide because it's already been decided in the agreements when things were rosy. Awesome, awesome advice. Yes, all great stuff. Thank you for sharing that. The next question I have for you, Tom, is what advice do you have for hiring good people? I mean, this sounds like it's one of your strengths. So, I mean, what do you look for in these people? We look for people that, A, want to work in this business, that mm-hmm. it's not something that they're choosing out of necessity. Mm-hmm. It, it's purely because they have a love for the industry. They have a love for our company. Uh, we look for people that are engaging, smiling, warm, friendly. The, the fact that they have maybe experience in another restaurant really is ancillary for us. Mm-hmm. We look for good people first, experience second. Awesome. Yeah. And, I mean, that's so important. Is there, like, one question you ask your, your you know, potential new hires during the interview that is, like, a must-ask question? We we like to ask them, what do you like to do during your time off? Mm. Um, that that says a lot because if they say, well, I just kind of hang out and play video games with my friends, nah, yeah. that doesn't really work well for me. If they say, I like to spend time with my family, I like to cook at home, I like to bike ride or I have this hobby, something that, that makes them a more well-rounded person uh, is a good indicator that, that they're going to be an employee that would fit into our culture. Awesome. I love it. So when you find these good people, what advice do you have to keep them on your team? I think you've already kind of alluded to this, but I'll let you dive a little bit deeper into that. You know, we have we have a very structured review system for the managers, obviously. Mm-hmm. We, review, we review them twice a year. Um, at the executive level, I actually have my team, my leadership team, there's five of us, there's six of us, and the, and the five of them that I oversee, I have them write their own reviews and their own goals, and then we review them together. So it's, it's more of a, of a two-way street. It's not me reflecting back on how I think they did. They reflect on themselves mm-hmm. and share it with me, and, and then we agree on goals moving forward. At the hourly level, we have um, a system in place where the front-of-the-house employees are, are rated by the dining room managers in three different areas. And, and uh, one of them is service engagement. One of them is uh, execution of your job. I, I can't remember the exact language on it. And the third one is something that is like a hot button, something that we're really focused on for that particular month. And every month they are rated by the, the managers, and they're actually posted so they can see how they rank in their uh, scoring of their areas that they're being reviewed on it's publicly viewed for all employees to see Mm -hmm. so there is that sense of i don't want to be the person at the bottom of the list Mm -hmm. it's not that they you know get get penalized for it but there is some some level of competition yeah and then they're rewarded for it too there is a a a reward system based around how the reviews are we we i think i think what makes it us successful is that people want feedback they want to hear how they're doing good bad or indifferent so we we that's what they want awesome and that's what keeps them engaged awesome i love it and you know what i'm hearing too is like if i could sum it up in one word is you listen um you listen on the executive level everyone has a voice and everyone makes the decisions or at least they have a say in the decisions and then with your uh hourly on the hourly level your uh managers are listening by recording the service skills, the uh, you know if they're executing if they're executing their job and uh, if they're taking care of those hot topics, whatever you, you were calling it, but uh, you're always listening to see how they're doing, and then 
you give them something to work towards. Like you tap into that higher need. It sounds like uh, where people want to feel like they're growing, like they are achieving something, and you give them that goal, that aim. When you post how they're doing, they can see their growth. They can see that they're doing better, and it gives them something else other than a paycheck to work towards. It's awesome. Right, and you and you touched on something that that I've seen the managers that are successful actually, and the ones that are challenged is when an employee comes to a manager and says, hey, we're having issues to do to make it improve it and do it, make it better, blah, blah, blah. Well, the managers that that employee and then find a solution are much more successful because mm-hmm. employees then have trust that they're actually being heard. The ones that don't follow through, employees get frustrated. They, they lose confidence in the management teams and, and – so that's that's been something that we really try to teach our managers. It's when an employee is coming to you with an issue, you have to react and solve it. To them. Awesome. Because oh. because if you don't, they're just going to get frustrated and they're not going to they're not going to execute the way we want them to. Awesome. All incredible advice. So the next question, Tom, what advice do you have on how to lead? There's no question that you have to be a, a strong leader in this industry to be successful. So what can you drop on us about, you know, what we need to do to be that great leader? You know, I think it's different for, for different people and different at different levels. You know, at, at, at my level where I'm at right now, I, I lead by allowing the people that are around me to do their job mm-hmm. at, the, at the highest level they can do it. I have a lot of trust in, in what they do. Of course, I give them feedback. I, I set the vision of where our company's headed. I, I set the vision of what we're going to work on for this year. It's usually an annual um, strategy that we come up with. But they then have the tools and the, and the, the leash to go out and execute whatever it is, the plan that we have. Um, and I think that that's just my style of leadership. I, I want them to succeed and feel good that they succeeded without a lot of, uh, helicoptering, I guess mm-hmm. you call it, uh, you know, and, and it, it's worked for me. It's, and, and it's because I've got really good people that are really good at what they do in their particular job. I could never be the chief administrative officer. I couldn't <laughs> do that job. I'm, I'm not good at it. I'm not good at that detail. Yeah. I think uh, I'm that, not, that's an incredible, you know, I'm not, yeah. I, it's, and sorry, that's what ahead. we do. We've got we've got we've got those individuals that are each of us has our strength, mm-hmm. and um, we've actually one of the things that we did that I did I hired a uh, business coach about seven years ago to work with myself individually to to talk to really work on what you just asked about how how to grow my leadership and have impact in, in the way that I wanted to work. Well, over the past seven years, I brought her in to not only work with me, but our entire leadership team. And one of the things we did was we, we did a, uh, a study. Basically, it was a personality study that you've seen a lot of them around, but it really honed in on what different strengths each of us had. Are you, are you heavy in the heart, heavy in the head, or heavy in the hand? Mm-hmm. So the, we have people on our leadership team that are heavy in the hand, meaning they really they get down in the trenches, they work with the employees, they teach. Their, their leadership is working hands-on. And then we've got people that are heart-heavy, which means that they, they really engage with employees and they listen to them and they, and they want to um, be connected with them uh, and, and our customers. Mm-hmm. And then we've, got, uh, then we've got the head people, which is where I fall. They're, they're visionary. They're, they're looking out ahead. They're trying to see where the company should be going. And, and when we did this study, we had a really great balance of 
those three different areas. And uh, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I will I will email it to you so you can see what it is because it, it was a fascinating study that we're actually doing it now in all of our management teams, uh, which which will allow people to see and understand why this certain person has this style of leadership because they have a they have a big heart and they mm-hmm. want to connect with people and they want to engage with them and it just helps you understand the people you're working side by side with for 50 hours a week all incredible stuff thank you tom and i will have that link in the show notes this is episode 108 so just head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash 108 and you will find the links uh, all right so the next question i have for you tom is what is your favorite restaurant resource it could be a book a website anything lay it on us well given given that you know, I'm, I'm pretty active. I'm on the board of directors for the National Restaurant Association, mm-hmm. so I, I I use their website a lot. It's restaurant.org. Okay. Uh, I I use that a lot as a resource. Um, they they put out a, a a really great publication every year that takes a look ahead of what's what's coming down the road um, for whether it's revenue that they're pre- projecting or or menu trends or uh, employee projections. It's it's very helpful for me. Uh, look, I use it more to look out the next three to five years mm-hmm. than I do what's happening today. Um, I actually, I really like. Um, I, I get the American Express Smart Brief. Okay. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot on that about leadership. It's a, it's a newsletter that comes out, and there's a lot of leadership things in there that are not just hospitality, which is something else that I really try to uh, put myself around. Is different leadership leaders in different industries because you, you know you can learn from a leader of a, of an auto industry or or a banking industry so I, I belong to a number of boards that have nothing to do with hospitality and i i learn a lot from those folks about mm-hmm. uh, leadership and, and how they run their business awesome i will have all those links in the show notes for you folks at home to check out um i've heard of a few of them i haven't heard of the american express that's awesome i'm excited to check that out um so the uh next question i have for you tom uh i mean and this is one of the reasons why i was really excited to get you on the show because uh you're not an executive chef you know you're a business person and you're in charge of marketing so what marketing advice do you have for us you know marketing is it's probably my it's the favorite thing that I do. Oh man, in my I'm excited! Job. <laughs> I, I, I was the director of marketing uh, back, you know, in, in uh, late '90s for this for our company. Uh, I still have a very heavy hand in our marketing direction and and strategies. And you know, one of the things again, you talk about what, what do you do, what do you read, and where, where, where do you where do you get your information? I I attend um, at least two conferences a year. One of them is called the Marketing Executives Group which is sponsored by the National Restaurant Association. And it's all about marketing. And then they have another one um, called uh, Innovation and Technology. And as you know, innovation and technology has has now uh, very much overlapped uh, in the advertising marketing world. And one of the things that we've uh, shifted dramatically this year is we, we've stepped away, not completely, but quite a bit uh, of our ad and marketing dollars have moved from the traditional mass media, TV, radio, print, and I'm moving it into more web, certainly social media. Uh, we're developing an app. Um, we've got, we're, we're bringing in mini iPads so servers can take orders at the table with, with a mini iPad. 
So we're, we're doing a lot, a lot with technology um, and, and staying ahead of that curve. And I know a lot of the chains are doing it, and, and we're going to be an independent that's pretty out front compared to other uh, restaurants here in New Hampshire. So we are excited about it. It's, it's a little bit risky, but that's <laughs> what entrepreneurs do. They take risk, and, and sometimes there's reward, sometimes there isn't. But I'm, I'm pretty confident that this is the right move. Yeah, I, you know, I, I couldn't agree more with you. And, you know, there's so many ways you can leverage technology to get out there, to get in front of people. And uh, that kind of this is another good segue into our next question, which is on the importance of new technologies. And uh, being somebody who has a strength of looking into the future, uh, what technologies, you know, are you currently using or or are you, maybe you're excited about using uh, that improve your restaurant's overall efficiency and productivity and basically, you know, your bottom line. Can you share anything with us? Yeah. Well, there's, 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 there's three things. The, the first one that I'm the most I'll – get, I'll get to the most exciting one last. Okay. The, okay. The, <laughs> the, first two, the first two, we just started uh, using a company called U Reserve, U R E S E R V. Dot com. There's no E at the end of reserve. And okay. they are a, they're a fabulous company that we just started using to allow our guests to make reservations online. And I'm not going to mention the other company that does it because they're pretty well known, but yeah. they're, they're very costly. <laughs> they're a very costly company. And, and you reserve has come out with uh, almost an identical type system at a fraction of the cost. And it's, it, it's completely... Uh, integrated with our POS system, our our employees love it, our guests love it. We just started we just launched it uh, last month, and it's it's been outstanding. Awesome! Oh. So that that's one technology that I know is 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 a huge benefit for our employees and our guests. Great. Second one is the second one is um, like I mentioned the mini iPads. We'll be launching that in the second quarter, and and all that's going to do is allow the servers to take orders right at the table using a mini iPad. It's going to save, we estimate, between one and one and a half minutes at every table, which when you're talking, you know, one and a half minutes doesn't sound like a lot. When you're talking thousands and thousands of tables over the course of a year, mm -hmm. you're going to save a lot of time, oh, which, yeah. which will reduce our rate wait times. And it's, it's an incremental increase in efficiency, but we think it's going to have um, – you know, some decent impact on top line, be able to turn tables faster. All right. And then the last one is we're developing an app, and the app is, is, is going to be used to slowly but surely replace our loyalty program. We have uh, two loyalty programs, one at Copper Door and one at T-Bones. T-Bones is also used at Cactus Jacks, and it's called Paybacks. And Paybacks is it's a very simple system. We've had it for, I don't know, pro almost almost 18 years we, we 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 started it way before it became popular and, okay. and it's simply it's simply you spend a hundred dollars you get one i'm sorry you spend a dollar you get one point when you get to a hundred points you get a ten dollar um of ad value put onto your uh, debit card which is which is basically a swipe card okay. so we're switching that to an app so that when you come in you'll be able to just show your phone very similar if you're familiar with the starbucks app that's exactly how it's going to work. You'll come in, servers will scan it with their mini iPad. You'll get you'll get the ad value put right onto your app. But then, the real beauty of it, and the thing that I love about this, is that we're going to be able to talk specifically and strategically to different groups based on their uh, dining and visiting habits. So, mm. 
So let's say, Eric, you haven't been in for 30 days. I can send you a notification and say, Eric, we miss you. Here's $20. There's no, no strings attached. Come on in. We miss you. Mm-hmm. I, I can't do that right now. I don't have that ability to reach to certain customers. And, and, and maybe, maybe I won't reward uh, um, customers that are coming in every single day. I, I might, I might not. We're going to try different things and see how they work. But the fact that I can talk to our guests one-on-one and really start to put them into these different silos so we can uh, market them in different ways and, yeah. and measure to see the impact is, is outstanding. Yeah, uh, what Tom is you know talking about right now is called data mining and one-on-one marketing, and it's so, so powerful, and there's so many things that are happening right now with you know as we evolve with technology where you can really just find out so many little tidbits about your guests and then capitalize on those relationships with that one-on-one marketing, really targeting and uh, tailoring that marketing to that individual. You see Amazon doing it and other big, uh, you know, big online companies doing that, but super, super powerful. And you also mentioned uh, you reserve and uh, paybacks. And what was the uh, name of the software with the mini iPads that you're using? Um, we, we we haven't we haven't done that yet. But the mini iPads will be used with our in, in coordination with our POS system. We use NCR. NCR. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Great, which, and, is, uh, which is yeah. And, and I just and, and just sorry, one other ahead. one other technology thing that that I would highly recommend is being able to send e gift cards, and we just mm. launched that this past Christmas. So so our guests can now go on our website, they can uh, buy an e gift card for fifty dollars. They can schedule it to get emailed to you a week from now when your birthday is coming up, or they could schedule it to co- email immediately. Or they could actually print it out right there on the spot, uh, and and put it in an envelope and give it to the person. Awesome. So that's it's it's a it's a great great technology piece for us because in the past we someone would have to order a gift certificate we'd have to mail it to them so there was a a cost not only to for postage but for the labor to actually fill out the envelope mm-hmm. and mail it etc. Now it can all just be done with a few clicks. And uh, this past Christmas. We did. Uh, we we sold fifty percent more online than we did the previous year because wow. of that technology. What's what's the name of the service that you use for the e-gift cards? I knew you were going to ask me that. Um, <laughs> try. Uh, you can send transaction me an email. Wi- tra- tra- transaction wireless. <laughs> transaction wireless. Awesome. I will have yeah, a link. It's the same company. It's the same company. Uh, uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. Oh, uh, cool. Uses. Awesome. And that, that's another thing that I will just share because it, you know it's mostly independents listening. Yeah, I learn a lot from the chains. I mean, look, they 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 do a great job. There's there's a reason Buffalo Wild Wings has a thousand restaurants. Yeah, and so a lot of times, you know, I'll save time and, and effort by saying, okay, they did their research. They did their homework. What were they doing? Okay, they're using they're doing e-gift cards. I had my web guy go on. He found out that it was transaction wireless. We contacted them and move forward with them. So there's 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 a lot of steps that can be saved by learning from the Absolutely. Change. Absolutely. I mean you're you're dead on and then, like you if you look at the the big dogs, see what they're doing, uh we can learn a lot, you know, we can you know, just try to emulate what they're doing, but there's one thing that they can't do that we can do way better and just to have those true connections with our guests and those close, close ties with our community. If you combine those two things, uh you'll truly be unstoppable. That's awesome advice. Thank you for sharing. And that and that and that yeah, that's really that, – that you just nailed it for us. That's exactly one of the differentiators that we have is that we do a lot, a lot in mm-hmm. our community. People know who we are. We're out there. We're doing a lot of 
nonprofit support. Uh, we actually launched our own uh, charitable trust called FeedNH.org just this past mm-hmm. year, and it's specifically going to help families, elderly, education, and disadvantaged. That's what the acronym FEED is for. Awesome. Of all of other nonprofit New Hampshire. Um, organizations that that need help in those four different areas. Awesome. That's great stuff. And I mean, you're just littering this interview with amazing advice and resources. Uh, We can learn a lot from you, but I have to ask, um, we're we're getting to the end of the show and I I have to ask you, what's your best business advice? If you could go back to that version of yourself, I think it was 1995 when you wanted to do your first concept, uh, Cactus Jacks. What, What advice would you give to yourself if you could go back in time and just drop one last piece of advice on yourself? back then make sure you're picking the right location Mm -hmm. location 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 you've heard it a hundred times it is absolutely a thousand percent true pick the right location and then before you start to even do anything you need to project what your revenue is going to be Mm. and in in it's 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 a projection it's sometimes it's a guess but you got to be able to project your revenue because you, you can't even begin to start thinking about What's what, what are you going to spend on equipment? What are you going to spend on um, training? You won't know until you know what you think you're going to do for revenue. Mm-hmm. So start with location, project the revenue, and then work backwards from there. Can you point us in a direction to learn more about you know a projection in location selection? You know, I mean, I have I have the luxury of of looking at our existing restaurant, mm-hmm. so that I'm a, I'm a little bit at a at an advantage because I, I have real data that I can resource and use to compare and contrast. Um, but I, I will tell you that two of the things that I did, traffic count is obviously mm-hmm. huge, um, and everybody knows that. But one of the things that I think the chains particularly underestimate is how many dining seats are within, at least in my trade area, how many dining seats are within a three-mile radius. Mm. And I don't care if it's Chipotle. I don't care if it's Dunkin' Donuts. Any restaurant that is serving food is a competitor mm-hmm. and can't just count. If you're opening a casual dining restaurant, you can't just count how many casual dining restaurants there are. You, and some people don't even do that. I know for a fact, because I've talked with some of the chain guys, some of the real estate developers, they don't do that. They, some of the chains just have a formula that says, what's the traffic count? What's the household income? How many rooftops are there? And then a few other things. That's that's what they look at. Mm-hmm. I dig a little deeper and look at how many dining seats are there because mm-hmm. I can tell you one of our locations, percentage-wise, has far less dining seats. Uh, and they're, the, they're our number one store as a result of it because there's just less less um, competition. So Yeah, I mean, numbers do you, don't do the lie. Homework. <laughs> yeah, do the homework and, and don't underestimate you know, a, a Chipotle or Panera, if you're a casual dining restaurant, mm-hmm. pe- people aren't going to eat casual dining every single day. Yep. They're going to go eat other places. Awesome if, if those if those options aren't there, then you have a better opportunity of capturing that customer more often. I love it, man. You're just killing it today with this advice. Thank you. Uh, if there was one question, Tom, I could have asked you that would have provided more value to this interview, what would it have been? You asked a lot of good questions. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I would say if you're thinking about getting started in this industry, you, you must have a complete passion and love for mm-hmm. it because there are some sacrifices early on. It, the, the nights, the holidays, the weekends, the long hours, those can start to wear on you 
if you don't love what you're doing. If you mm. love what you're doing, those things won't even matter. That's so awesome. I, I think if you're if you're a young person, you're thinking about getting into it, you gotta love it. You mm. know, and I think that's true for any industry, but but particularly this industry because of some of those challenges of nights, holidays, weekends may not blend with what you have for a lifestyle. So just just take a hard look at that before you, um, you know. So the question would be, are you passionate enough that you do anything to be in this industry? If you mm-hmm. are, then you're going to love it. That is incredible advice. And, I mean, that's probably the biggest – one of the biggest lessons I've learned. People in this industry who are super successful don't go to work a day in their life because this is what they love to do, and they can't picture themselves doing anything else. So beautiful way to wrap up the show. Um, but we have to officially wrap it up, and you do that by calling out one person in the industry. Who is one person you admire who is an indie restaurant professional that you think could add incredible value as a guest mentor? Um, I would say – my good friend John Tinios. Ooh. John is a restaurateur, a generational restaurateur. His dad started uh, his business, but he's he's grown it and he's opened other concepts. He has uh, the Galley Hatch over in Hampton, New Hampshire. He also has Popovers, which is kind of like an upscale Panera, mm-hmm. uh, independent. He has that in uh, Market Square in Portsmouth. And he's got one in Epping. All right. And he's got one other place. I can't remember the name, but it's it's a place uh, at a country club. He's a great guy, wealth of knowledge, former National Restaurant Association board of director, and uh, I just admire him a lot. And he's a good friend. Awesome, uh, John Tinios. I'm coming after you. Look out! We're gonna try <laughs> to get you on the show. And uh, this is your opportunity to uh, let people at home know if you know they are inspired by what you're doing. If they want to come work for you, if they're listening to this in New Hampshire, how can we connect? You know. The best way is to email. It's info at greatnewhampshirerestaurants.com. It's G-R-E-A-T-N-H restaurants.com. Hmm. And that goes to our main office, and they will direct it to whatever question you might have or department you're, you're looking. Awesome. You have been, without a doubt, unstoppable, Tom. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come be a guest mentor. It was awesome. You're welcome. I enjoy it. I I love this industry, and I love talking about it, so I appreciate the time. I never get let down with these interviews. Tom, man, you rocked it. Thank you so much for taking the time, man, to come out here, to share your stories and advice. You were incredible. Uh, Just This episode was packed full of resources and uh, services that you suggest and just incredible advice on how to be a leader and how to treat your employees. If you guys want to learn more about anything we discuss on today's episode, this is episode 108. So just head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash 108 and you will find the links to everything we talked about in the show notes for you to dive a little bit deeper if you wish. And um, that's all I have for you today. Like always, I would just like to remind you that I would love to hear what you think about the show, uh, who you want me to interview, who you think would make great guest mentors. Just shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com or connect with me on all of those social media platforms. I'm out there. All right, guys, that's all. Peace out. Peace out.